welcome back to another week of Easy and PK Talk Fantasy Football. Welcoming Easy back into the studio from the comfort of his own basement. Welcome back, Easy. Great to be back. Beats being at the hospital. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you get a chance to listen in last week? You know, I was going to earlier today and I got um, something came up and then I forgot about it, but I'm going to listen to it actually right after we're done here. Awesome. I don't know if you heard, but Aaron Bavakwa stepped in for you. Yep. He uh, tried his best to come up with the expertise that you bring to the pod, but uh, he, he did a great job, I think, filling in. Cool. Well, let's get started with the action from last week. We had some big results, uh, even though there were some low scores. Want to run down the, the first? I think the biggest talking point, I think, would be Jim finally getting his first win of the season after starting the season with eight consecutive losses. What do you have to say about that? Most definitely. I actually I played Jim two weeks ago and beat him, and he sent me a text saying... I gave you a good run for your money, and I even made a point of saying, I bet you're going to win next week. I just looked at his roster, and like Joe Burrow is finally healing up and being his old self. Jonathan Taylor's coming back. Jamar Chase with a healthy Joe Burrow. He has Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie, coming on. And then yeah, mm-hmm. he also he also had one other player on his roster that I thought was unique, and that was Jalen Warren of the Steelers. Yeah, I just feel like when I look at the the Steelers backfield with Warren and Najee Harris, it reminds me so much of the uh, Dallas Cowboy backfield when they had Zeke and Pollard, and when Pollard kind of took over, even though you he was the relative no name. That's kind of what I feel is happening there so Jim's team definitely congrats on you know it will be definitely good having him in the league next year for sure congrats on the victory and uh I see a few more in sight before the season's over yeah me too I definitely think so as as well he's already jumped Aaron Getchell is squarely in line for the number one overall pick again we'll talk more about him at his game down here. The second game, uh, I'll take this one. Josh stumbled against Aaron Bavakwa. I think there's two talking points in this game. First, Aaron Bavakwa keeps pace in your division with a 7-2 and two record. It's incredible that there are, what, five 7-2 and two teams at this point. There are. That That is baffling. Josh stumbles in that he didn't put up big numbers like he has in weeks previous. Tua and Tyreek only combined for 25 points over in Germany. I texted Aaron Bavaka right after the game ended in Germany, and I was like, oh, it looks like the door's open. I don't think it could have gone much better for you in that early game. And he agreed. He said, I think the, the door's open a crack, and it looks like he burst right through it. That he did, yeah. For Tua and Tyreek to only have 25 points for Josh, that, uh, I mean, usually Tyreek alone will put up 30 Absolutely. And he had Mostert as well um, in the backfield. So he is leaning heavily on the Dolphins. Interesting stuff. Yeah. And, that, and then that brought Josh down to 7-2 and two and kept Aaron at 7-2. and two. So those are yeah. two of the five teams that are leading the way, I guess, so to say. Absolutely. Next up, uh, John Surging beating Teagues 166-147. to 147. What did you see from this game? I guess the biggest takeaway from that game was John was smart enough 
uh, to start uh, C.J. Stroud, who put up 45 fantasy points with his all-rookie, all-world performance where he threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns and a game-winning drive just to, you know, add the cherry on top. Biggest takeaway here, I think, is that John is really surging and he's been in the top three in scoring the last four weeks. That's very hard to do in fantasy football to have that kind of consistency at the top. Completely agree. We've been talking Josh's praises a lot this season, and John, I don't know how it's possible to fly under the radar, being John, but John's team has been not the one we've been talking about the most, but he's definitely, I think, surging into the conversation as one of the top two teams in the league so far this year. Josh is still number one. He's, he's picking up 81 aggregates, and John is at 76, but those two are by far and away the two highest. The next closest is you at 68. I just looked too, John finally has, or has finally surpassed Josh as far as total points go by a, a grand total of four for the entire season. So those two yeah. are right there neck and neck. And John would be, he'd be leading in the aggregate records if he didn't have a stinker in week one where he actually was this second to the bottom in terms of aggregates that week. He was the second worst team that week. And since then, he has been near the top, or if not the top. He has three high score weeks, and Josh has five high score weeks, and John has been second high score twice. I don't know Absolutely. if we want to talk about our games now. Um, sure. Yeah, you want to talk about yours first? Sure. Mine, uh, I played Shunk this week. After Sunday night's game, we both kind of agreed that neither of us deserved a win. We both really were had crappy weeks, to say the least. Going into the Monday night game, we were pretty much tied at about 116. And then tying into what we talked about, I believe it was two weeks ago, it was that whole, would you rather, you know, if it was 50-50 chance of winning, would you rather have the players playing or have the points and no one playing? And in this case, I had the San Diego Chargers defense playing and and it was on Monday night against the Jets. And I was a little worried until about, oh, I don't know, seven minutes into that Monday night game. And in total, the Chargers defense, who really haven't been all that great this year, put up 32 fantasy points, which totally just inflated my score and made it look that if you looked at the final score, it would, it would not be indicative of how close we were the entire week. Just as a side note, something I noticed with my team in that week is my three wide receivers put up a grand total of 15.9 points. So I don't know if that's ever been done before, you know, where three wide receivers put up that low of points and the team actually gets a win. Yeah, my game was a bit interesting as well. I had Mahomes and Kelsey going in the early game over in Germany, and Kelsey laid a stinker, his worst game of the season by far, only 4.4 points. And I was certainly worried. Jake had some problems in terms of fielding a full team last week. He had his three best players arguably on by. He had Jameer Gibbs on by, Evan Engram on by, and his quarterback, 
Trevor Lawrence from um, from Jacksonville. So he had three big buys, and then late in the week, his flex wide receiver Drake London was determined to be out for the week, and so he had to scramble and put in a couple of players that he probably wouldn't have started otherwise. He took a risk on the Vikings rookie quarterback, Jaron Hall, and looked good for the first drive until he got his bell rung and knocked out of the game. But I thought that was going to be the difference maker for Jake. I only only ended up winning by 13 points. But like you, I had some pretty terrible wide receiver play. I had four wide receivers go, and Jahan Dotson scored 17 points, and the other three wide receivers, Hollywood Brown, Rashi Rice, and Tyler Lockett scored 21 points combined. So I was fortunate to have gotten some pretty good days from Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry in order to kind of even out the the points for my team. Nobody really blew my team's scores out of the water, but I was just fairly consistent across the board. And I'm especially happy that I ended up trading for Josh Jacobs a couple weeks back, specifically for this week because I had uh, ETN on by, and I thought, who do I stick in to running back? I was lucky to get Derrick Henry from from Josh for two second-round picks just a few weeks back, thinking ahead to this very week. This week I have even more buy issues because Kansas City Chiefs are on by, as are your Miami uh, Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles, which is the team that you kind of hit your wagon to week in and week out. So we both have some issues moving forward this week in terms of getting our best teams out there. Definitely agreed. Uh, my, I'm at the quarterback position. I am in a hell hole for this week, but got to do what you got to do. Uh, it just goes to show with fantasy football. It's not always who you play, but when you play them. And the final game of the week was Getch and Bob. Getch takes the loss again, and Bob picks up another win. Getch is slowly fading into the background. He only has 13 aggregate wins the entire season. We're in week nine. That's an average of 1.44 aggregate wins a week, and he has been the league low score for four consecutive weeks. And so it appears as though he is lining up that number one overall pick. Who do you think he's going to take with that number one overall pick? Who do you, who's he got? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at his roster f- to be sure, but not knowing that, I would say you'd almost have to be crazy not to take Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know if you've been able to watch any of his college football games or highlights at least, but the kid is just amazing. And I know that Caleb Williams is a you know, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, but I've watched him play a few games. I've watched Harrison play a few games, and, man, Marvin Harrison is just a stud, and he'll be a top-five receiver for the next 15 years. And he's got the name and the pedigree to back it up. Does he play for Ohio State? Yeah, yep, Ohio State. Okay, and they're they're pretty good this season, it seems, right? Are they looking to yeah, get into I think, the playoffs? I think the... Well, what do you call it? the their the college football playoff poll came out yesterday, and I think Ohio State was actually number one. All right, let's. I think we need to talk about the biggest surprise, at least locally, or the biggest storyline in actual football locally, is the Minnesota Vikings getting their fourth win in a row, 
and all of it in such interesting and dramatic fashion with Josh Dobbs getting traded to the Vikings midweek last week after the game. Well, if you didn't know, he, he led the team to victory in come-from-behind fashion and then was able to take some interviews after the game and talked about not taking a single first-team rep. He didn't even know the playbook. It sounds like the head coach was translating the plays in the huddle for him, and all of this just was seemingly, what, backyard football? Just, you go out, I'm going to throw it. If I don't find anybody, I'm going to tuck it and run. What, what do you make of that? game the Vikings against Atlanta last week like you said it was just good old-fashioned backyard football is what it turned into and luckily for the Vikings Josh Dobbs is a very athletic quarterback if not a good quarterback um you said a, you, you know coming into a new system like that on a Tuesday it's not always the system that's hardest to pick up it's the language of the system if that makes sense Mm-hmm. And for, uh, yeah, for O'Connell and him to, you could kind of see him, you know, on the sidelines pretty much any time the Vikings were out on defense and those two were talking back and forth, just trying to get their stories straight, know what plays to come, who to throw to, whatnot. And, you know, off of this, I I feel that if somehow the Vikings do make the playoffs, Kevin O'Connell... Uh, I think he should far and away be the coach of the year if he's somehow able to guide this ship to the playoffs. And it's just it's just a neat story, too. It seems like, you know, Minnesotans not even that aren't even football fans are talking about this. And it, it's something that it's like it's weird, but it's bringing everyone together. Yeah, absolutely. I think this speaks a lot to Josh Dobbs is athleticism obviously we saw that on full display as he was making some reads in the backfield and then all of a sudden he's pulling the ball down and Josh and I actually got together and watched the football game and we said once he took off out of the pocket it's been a long time since I've seen a Vikings quarterback take the ball down tuck and pick up a first down or even a touchdown with their with their legs from over one yard away I mean we've seen a couple of Kurt's one yard plunges but not to be the dynamic running ability and uh, his intelligence is just off the charts i appreciate him even more being a science guy myself that he's what an astro astrophysics major no he's a aerospace engineering major yep and that he had a 4.0 i've tried to fact check all of this that they were talking about on the broadcast on sunday and i couldn't find anything on wikipedia that he actually graduated with a degree in aerospace engineering but it definitely says that he studied aerospace engineering and that he had a 4.0 grade point average. I don't know if that means he graduated with a 4.0 grade point average, but it doesn't matter. The dude is obviously smart. He can get put into any situation, plopped down in, he did it in Arizona and now he's doing it in Minnesota and he's keeping his team competitive. And that's all you can ask for, for us at this point. Thinking back to four weeks ago and I'd love to bring this up again, but do you remember what I said about the Vikings as soon as they lost Justin Jefferson for the next four weeks? They put him on IR. Do you remember what I said? I don't offhand, but do well, do tell. Let's let let's take a break here and go back and replay that or replay that part of the podcast from four weeks ago. Well, let me take a different look at it. I I agree with everything you say, and you're probably right. But when I think about 
Jefferson getting hurt. I feel like for the first four weeks that maybe we were too focused on incorporating him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've played team football. It's been, are we going to sign Jefferson to an extension before the season starts? Well, no. Now can we keep him happy enough so that he'll want to sign one after this season? Maybe, and I just said this again in my uh, one of my classes the other day. We were talking football between, between periods, and I was talking to a couple of the guys in my class, and I said, what if this is a, the best thing that happened to the Vikings, and all of a sudden now we have a more well-rounded passing game where we're not trying to shove it into Jefferson so much that Kurt sees the field better. He's got Osborne, he's got Addison, he's got Hawkinson. He's got three weapons there that are suitable. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, all of a sudden we start putting up huge points. The defense seems to have come around a little bit. What if losing Jefferson is like an uh, addition by subtraction? It's, it's not a popular take, but what if, that, what if that happens? I don't know. There it is right there, boys and girls. I said that the Vikings, I wouldn't be surprised if they snap off the next four games in a row with four consecutive wins, even without Justin Jefferson. And I said at the time, don't you think this is an opportunity for them to maybe reestablish a, a, more of a team presence? And in the last four weeks, the defense has improved every week. And the play of all the other players, I mean, Jordan Addison has stepped up. Cam Akers stepped up until he snapped his Achilles tendon this week. Hawkinson has been more reliable in the catching game. The offensive line has stepped up their game in order to make those opportunities more available for the rest of the team. And of course, I couldn't predict that Kirk Cousins wasn't going to be the starter in that fourth game, but I think that my prediction has proven true, and I couldn't be more optimistic about the Vikings' chances moving forward. And it'll be interesting now when we'll be getting Justin Jefferson back. Now that you brought that up, I do remember you saying that, and part of what you said was, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, Kirk Cousins was pretty much locked on to Jefferson. So you didn't know what the rest of the offense was like. But now with Dobbs in there, I have a feeling he's going to be spreading the ball around a heck of a lot more. But, I mean, it'll be the nice three-headed giant we have with Jefferson, Addison, and Hawkinson. Could have a very nice passing game. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the last half of the football season here. And our schedule is fairly straightforward. We've got a number of division games. And if we just take care of business in the division, I think we play Cincinnati out of the division, out of the conference once. But for the most part, we stay in the NFC and in the division. We've got to play the Lions t- two more times, the Packers and the Bears, of course. I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about our chances of making the playoffs. Let's shift gears a little bit in our third talking point of the day and probably our last. It was brought up on the message board this week that, and I think you brought it up, that you thought that the scoring was just kind of down. I mean, last year, it seemed week in and week out, someone was putting up over 200 points. Sometimes two teams were putting up 200 points last year. And this year, it just doesn't seem to be the same sort of scoring output that we've come accustomed to. Do you have any thoughts on that? What I first saw was just, you know, it was just a bunch of, you know, 165 to 185 in the top three scores. And then you, you that was just such a change from last year. Like you said, there was... Usually there is one, if not two teams over 200 points. So I 
actually went through the first nine weeks of the top three weekly scores. Last year, after week nine, the top three scores each added up each week had 5,186 points. And this year we were at 4,955, which makes up a 231 point difference. So what we think we see actually is happening. I'm baffled as to why I don't, it just seems weird to me that we added the option to add in a second quarterback in one of our flex positions. You'd think the points would go up, but they've actually gone the other way. So I don't know what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we added the super flex quarterback, but we also devalued the quarterback position by only allowing four points scored on a touchdown, passing touchdown, compared to six points. But I agree. And Josh threw out a really interesting graphic on the message board yesterday talking about how the quarterbacks are not living up to their uh, average draft position pre-draft. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Only two quarterbacks, at least at first glance, were actually ranked higher than their average draft position. And C.J. Stroud is certainly one of them. And I think the other one was the Washington Commanders, uh, Sam Howell? Yep. Sam Howell. Yep. So, so the second one was Sam Howell, and that was pretty surprising. A couple of quarterbacks are kind of around where you'd expect, like Mahomes and, and Hertz are kind of in the top two or three, but the rest of them are really just underperforming this year, and I, I can't really say why. I've been watching a fair amount of football, and I can't say that defenses are figuring it out or wide receivers aren't helping out the quarterbacks. I do think that there's been some injury issues with Burrow, just maybe some some wrong guys and wrong systems right now, but maybe that'll turn around for the second half of the season. Who knows? Let's preview next week's games and finish up here, kind of going through the schedule. The first game that I have is John versus Shunk, and right now both teams are 7-2, and two, and both teams are about 50-50 chance of winning. Keep in mind, time of taping, Wednesday afternoon, some people might have some late roster adjustments, injuries or ads or whatnot, but... Seven and two versus seven and two. Uh, I like John in this matchup. What about you? Um, I'm on board with you as well as seven and two, seven and two. But right now, John is just rolling, and he, he just seems to be picking up more and more guys on his roster that are helping. You see a guy have a or a no-name guy have a good week on TV here, and then you go and see where he is on the waiver wire, and you can't find him, and oh. Well, wait, he's on John's roster already. So I'm going with John on I'm going with John on this one as well. And next game I've got Jim 1 and 8 versus Aaron Bavakwa 7 and 2. But again, both teams are currently projected at about a 50-50 here. I I think this is a coin flip. I couldn't really tell you who would be the best bet here with Burrow and Chase surging, although Jamar Chase is dealing with a back issue, he might not play this week. What do you think? Um, I think what you bring up with Chase really is what's going to sway the teeter-totter for me. I think if Chase plays, that Jim is going to pull off another upset. I'm just feeling that. If he doesn't play, then it's it's going to be pretty tough. He, Jim has, like like we've said, he has the good guys on his roster, but he doesn't have the depth, so he definitely needs everyone that is 
starter worthy to be playing. And so, yeah, like you said, it will be the Jamar Chase scenario, whether he plays or not, that will probably determine that matchup. Absolutely. I think all hands on deck seems to be the motto here for Jim. Next up, I've got Teagues versus Jake. Teagues is two and seven. Jake is three and six. But right now, Jake is 60% chance of winning. But Teagues has got some buys that he's got to fill in here. He's got Pacheco on a buy and Stafford on a buy. But Stafford seems to be kind of injured as well. But I think Teagues' team, and we've talked about this in a number of pods previously, he's kind of started trading some of his key old pieces for, for young talent. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stays competitive with Will Levis in this week, now named the starter in Tennessee. But Jake's team, he's got Trevor Lawrence in there, along with Mac Jones, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Deontay Johnson. So yeah, Jake's got his team set, and I think I'd take Jake over, over Teagues in this matchup. Josh, 7-2 and two versus Aaron Getchell, 1-8. and eight. Are we going to go with Josh on this one? Or, or, I think so. Or do we want to step out of our uh, comfort zone and... Well, I got to catch Josh. I picked up a game on him last week, and now I'm two games back. And, and this would the week, be the week to play Josh if you're playing Josh. He's got Tua, Tyreek, and, and Mostert all on buys, including his kicker, Butker, and a couple of other players as well on buy. But he plays against McGiblets here, and McGiblets is struggling, as we've talked about, has been the league low score the four last weeks. And his best player, most dynamic player, Jalen Waddle also on a bye. So I think I'd want to say, come on, McGiblets, but I don't think he's got enough in the tank. I would have to agree with you 100%. And, uh, so down to our last two. You want to talk about yours? You are playing against Bob. Seven and two, Bob's four and five. Bob wins one, he loses one. He wins one, he loses one. What in the heck is going to happen this week? What do you think? Um... I don't know. I haven't taken a good look at Bob's team yet, and if he has his roster set, which... Looks pretty set to me. And I don't know. Somehow a sleeper app is predicting that I'm going to win, but I am very scared this week with Kenny Pickett having to start. He's good for about half a touchdown a week, it seems like. Bob has Dak starting. If he can have a good game, he's going up against the Giants. Not exactly sure how good their defense is, but I see our game being more of a coin flip as well, too, despite, uh, you know, like I said, if if the Eagles were playing this week and I had my abundance of guys give myself the victory, but Without those guys, my team suddenly becomes a lot more down to earth. I agree. It's going to be tough with your your Eagles out. And finally, my matchup against Joey. I'm five and four. Joey's three and six. But based on aggregate record so far, we are nearly identical. Joey's got 49, actually two more than I do. And Joey is incredibly unlucky so far this year. He should have about four and a half wins based on the number of aggregates, and he's only got three where I'm scoring about where I'd expect based on the aggregates I've been picking up. But I also, as mentioned before, am missing my Kansas City Chiefs. So I've got to play Derek Carr in there against the Vikings. I don't like to do this, but I'm going to play a third running back in my flex position because I just got a good feeling about Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, and ETN all having good weeks. So I'm hoping my running backs 
come through. My only other option in the flex spot is Debo Samuel coming off of a injury, so I don't know what he's going to do. He's certainly no longer the number one option there in San Francisco anymore, so he's been really hard to hard to trust. Joey definitely has me in the quarterback positions with Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, but he is going to be running out a couple of running backs that aren't projected to score more than seven points this week. So I've got the running back firepower. He's got the quarterback firepower. And it looks like our wide receivers are about even. So it's just going to be who shows up. At the time of taping, we are a 50-50, 100% coin flip. We, are, we have almost identical projected scores right now, 132.56 to 132.44. So this one's going to come down to Monday night, Josh Allen versus Denver. Can Josh Allen bring his team and Joey over the line because by then all my players will have played. So I'm hoping I have a, a nice cushion by then. There's that nice 50-50 scenario again. I know. I think at this point of the season, I'd take 50-50. Give me just a chance to, to win, and I would take it one 100%. Well, I think that takes care of this week. We got a little bit of a shorter one, but it makes sense. It's the middle of the season. We're kind of in the doldrums. Not much is happening but we got a chance to take a look back at last week. We got a chance to preview this week. And of course, we got to talk about our beloved Minnesota Vikings. So I would say this is a, a, a podcast that was efficient. Efficient and effective. That's what we go for here at Easy and PK Talk Fantasy Football. Well, thanks for podding with me, Elliot. It's always good to hear from you. And I hope that you are personally getting better, feeling more healthy day by day. And I hope your fantasy football team also maintains terrific health here in the end of the season. Thank you very much, and uh, same to you as far as your team goes. Um, and I'm sure your health is just fine. <laughs> day by day, right? Yep. Every you're, day is, you're every not day trying is an to, adventure. you know, you're not trying to skip school or anything or like that, faking the sickness no. or anything, huh? No, I'm not faking any sickness. I'm just taking it day by day. It was nice chatting with you, Elliot, and we will talk to you uh, again next week. All right, sounds good. Have fun. Mm-hmm.